Hello! Welcome to this week's episode of Why Not Both. My name is Pam Schaefer, and I'm a musician, therapist, and tutor living in Los Angeles. I started this podcast to explore how our multiple passions inform our identity. We're often told that we're supposed to have one passion in life, and that we're supposed to define ourselves by this one passion. However, most of us actually have multiple interests and have worked at a lot of different jobs, And I was really curious how this actually changed people's ideas of their own identity in the world. I decided to interview people from many different fields to determine how their multiple passions inform their identity. You can learn more about all of the people that I have interviewed on my website, which is wnbpodcast.com. So hello, we are here with Mo Ghosh. Welcome. Hey, Pam. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on Why Not Both. So one of the first questions that I ask everyone is, what do you do? Though I also am curious if there is a better question to ask as opposed to what do you do? What might you prefer to be asked if someone was meeting you? Mm, That's a great question. Um, I like what do you do, but my answer is never oh, I'm a this, I'm a one, one thing, which is why I'm on the show. (laughs) Um, so I like, what do you do? I think what I want to address maybe today on this episode is like shame, shame, shame around doing Mm. more than one thing. Cause I think that as a society, we, um, experience a lot of shame and maybe we shame others too. Yeah. Sometimes Um, unintentionally. Yeah. Unintentionally. Um, so anyway, I am a therapist. Uh, I specialize in like sex positive therapy. So I work with, um, a lot of sort of, I guess you would call them alternative lifestyle populations like the kink community, the poly community, um, the LGBTQ community, sex worker communities, um, you know, people of color, all of that. And I am based in LA as, as are you. <laughs> I just gave an affirmative thumbs up and then I was like, wait, it's audio. No one knows that. I'll say that with my words. <laughs> yeah. So in LA, we have huge communities for those. So that work is great. But I'm also a, um, a creator and a writer. Um, I play um, several instruments, including guitar and piano. And I've played in several bands in LA for many years. And now I kind of write music on my own. I write music with other, collaborate with other people. Um, I am also a author. I've published several books, mostly on the topics around the stuff that I do in sex therapy work. Um, and then I've also recently made a film. I like that you just casually also made a documentary. Yeah, I casually also made, it was something that I always really wanted to do. So several years ago I was like, I'm just going to do it. And I was between bands and I was convinced I was done making music and it was another creative outlet that um, was was a lot of fun, actually. But it took a lot of time, and I wasn't able to do a lot of creative stuff at the same time. So mm. I would just do everything in spurts, like a year on music, and then like six months on the film, and then, you know. Um, and I also do things like host a web series, and I did a podcast before. And I've yeah. done a lot of different things um, in music and tech and in, in, like the world, in the field of mental health. So those are like my three things and some of those things I do are all of them combined and some are you know not yeah because one of the questions in my mind was how do those all overlap and do they overlap yeah like yeah um I think sometimes they do like for example for the film they absolutely did um because the film was about the first episode for example was about um 
the brothels in Nevada. Mm. So, you know, we, we looked, we talked about, you know, the laws around sex work. Um, we talked to a lot of women that worked. And so that's directly relates to my work as a sex therapist. Right. Uh, right. it's also media related. And I was also able to, um, I did some composing for the film, but I actually was able to work with a lot of my musician friends and have them create music oh, for the film. Oh, that's awesome to score it. Yeah, well, um, there was no. Well, there was one person who scored parts of it, um, and then um, a couple of artists who um, contributed their music for it. So, oh, that's so cool. So, and yeah. I would, I would imagine that you probably were super on point with the interview questions for that film, given your other line of work. Well, yeah, that's why I did the film because the other, my other line of work, <laughs> the other <laughs> line of work, <laughs> um, I feel like, um, it, I, I'm more, I feel like an activist, mm. you know, like for social, for social justice Yes, <laughs> a lot of times because the work that I do is so, um, I work with such marginalized communities. Right. I think, um, you know, sex positive, I say sex positive therapist, but I think people don't really know what that means. And I'm, so I'm not just a general therapist and I'm not just a general sex therapist. I'm a sex positive therapist. Like so this your, is, like I was going to say, like myself. And I thought about it cause I was like, of course I know what that means. And then I thought, wait, I have to think of outside perspectives. So Maybe this would be a cool time to explain what, what that, that means. means. Yeah, <laughs> yes. I think, you know, just in a nutshell to me, and you might have a different definition, but to me it just means being open-minded to whatever people's proclivities or non-proclivities are. You know, like, it's okay to be someone that isn't that much into sex. It's right. okay to be asexual as well as it's okay to sleep with, you know, a variety of people and have a lot of casual sex as long as you're safe and, and whatnot. And I'm a real a huge fan of, like, ethical non-monogamy, mm -hmm. ethical dating, you know, just being, like, open and honest with our partners yes. and open and honest with ourselves yes. and open-minded about others' preferences as well. So that's yes. what it means for me, basically. Yours, yours pretty much lines up with mine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I figured it would. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Like, we are on the same page. Yeah, and I think that what separates us from a general therapist, and not to get too derailed on this, because I do a lot of, like, media around this specific yeah. topic, but I think a general therapist is not going to actively be looking at how we are so steeped in sex-negative messages, mm. right? And so that's what separates mm. us, because we're actively either living these sex-positive lives, or studying, or being, you know, immersing ourselves in, and so you know, back to the film, you know, like going to the brothels and actually talking to the women that work in the brothels was something that I do all, as, you know, yes, like already, yes, yes. <laughs> you know, I don't, you know, like, so for me, it was just about taking the knowledge that I have and I've gleaned yeah. from not just doing this work, but being active in these communities and bringing it out to the broader public. I was going to say, I think the important part that you're hitting on is like bringing it to the broader public because it's like, yeah we don't always recognize the water that we're swimming in. Yeah. And so yes. people might not understand that they're getting a lot of sex negative messages they, all the time. They have no, I, yeah. they don't understand it. And I forget yes. that they're, that they're yes. swimming in it. <laughs> like I have, you know, like I'll forget that abstinence is still being taught in our country as sex ed. Right. I, for, cause we live yes. in a bubble in we LA totally a little bit. Do. <laughs> we totally do. And occasionally I'll look outside the bubble and go quack. And then I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm actually in the minority and it's important to reach out yeah. and educate and empathize and that also pinged in my brain what you're talking about. Like, I was like, let's hop into shame. And then I was like, that sounds deeply unpleasant. 
but we're going to do it anyway. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that's great. I'm glad that you had that feeling and I'm glad that you brought it up because I think going kind of piggybacking, you know, we're talking about sex negative messages and piggybacking on that as a society, we're also sort of given negative messages about doing more than one thing. Now, if I was just a sex positive therapist that did sex positive activism and made a film and did all of those things that fell into that category, that would be great. But sometimes my music isn't necessarily for the film that I'm working on or or I'll make a video, you know, you know, and I'll do these things or I'll write poetry and it's like, it's like, Oh, that's, that's great. But don't ever quit your day job. You know? And it's this weird thing where it's like, then you feel this like bifurcation of your identity and you're like, well, am I not a musician? Cause I'm a therapist. Am I not a therapist? Cause I'm a musician. Right. Then you're like, am I neither? Am I both? What am I? Am I like the goth Hannah Montana? (laughs) (laughs) Are you? (laughs) Am I? I never thought about that. I'm like, that's maybe what you are, Pam. (laughs) That's why I look so young. No. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, how do you define yourself around that? And how Mm -hmm. does some of that get internalized as shame? And then how do you get back out of that? That that was three questions in one. Well, it's funny because (laughs) one of the ways that I used to do it. So like when I started shooting my web series in 2012, um, it's called the Sex Talk, the Sex Talk com. <laughs> Come watch. I will totally link to all of Mo's stuff at the end of the episode, so you cool. can check it out. Yeah, so there's this one episode where I interview the authors of um, this book called um, uh, uh, Sexy Feminism, and they're two girl, two female identified people, and then me and my um, co-host at the time, which was Genoa, and I just felt like we all just came from these queer, sort of girl ro- girl rock backgrounds, mm-hmm. and I think one of the quotes was like, this is what happens to girl rock when they get older. <laughs> this whole idea that like, okay, now we're older, we're in our 40s, you know, I, I'm, I'm probably a little older than you, and we... You know, like we were all in the girl rock punk scene, right, you know, in right. the early 90s, and now we're doing stuff like sex positive activism. So you've gone from like riot girl to like right. riot lady to like riot matriarch. It's exactly what that's exactly what it was. The riot, riot when riot girls become, I don't know, adults or something like that. That's amazing. Yeah. So, and then, but then it was like, well, I'm not, maybe I don't play in those punk rock bands anymore, but. That doesn't mean I don't play music, and I don't right. always write music, because I always am writing music, and, you know, have written music for, you know, television and things yeah. of that sort, and so it's like, but I do that too! Yeah. <laughs> but I'm like, that's me too! <laughs> yeah. So, I, but it definitely, I feel like my music is shadowed by this other career that I mm. built, for sure. That's interesting that you use the word shadowed, because I was like, is it always negative that people ask people to pick one thing? Like... Because I was thinking about that, I was like, are there positives to it? Like, why do people do that? Like, there has to be some reason why people do that. And I'm like, is it just for simplification or is it... Yeah, maybe. Like, I don't think that we grow, we've we grown up in a society that understands having more than one profession. Yeah. Although, you, I hear about it all the time, like, in my practice. Oh, my dad, he was this and then he was this. Or, right. You know, and they're much older, you know, and... So it's not a new concept by any means. Yeah, like I've been, I mean, part of the impetus of even starting the podcast was me trying to untangle, like, 
why have we done this? Why do we choose to define people that way? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then, like you said, it can create shame where you're like, oh, but I don't fit into just one yeah. thing. What's wrong with me? Yeah. 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 And I was thinking, and I don't know if, uh, I don't know if this ever crossed your mind, but it's almost like in our society, because it is a capitalist society, mm-hmm. it's like sometimes you just get defined by like what brings in money. So that's therefore the thing that has value. Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. Like, I feel like that definitely, uh, I was talking with a few other guests about what value means. Mm -hmm. And so there seems to be different kinds of value. There's monetary value, there's societal value, there's personal value, like you feel good about it. And so I'm wondering if sometimes we define people just by monetary value because it's easy shorthand. We do. And I love that you call that because we're a capitalistic society, because that's something that I actually didn't have the words for until just now that we so we don't like we don't see success unless you're making a lot of money at it right right and right. so if you're making a lot of money at it that's your job and that's what you do even if you don't make a ton of money at it if that's where you how you make your living mm-hmm. that's your job yeah and that's what you do and that's who you are right? i was i was going to say it's like the assumption of identity thing cuz i'm like i think that making money and then using that money for making yourself happy i'm like that's great yeah. Do that. Yeah. <laughs> Rock on. Yeah. But I'm like, do you have to define yourself by what makes money? Right. And right. I'm like, that would be, uh, that seems like it would be limiting. Well, I, you know, kind of feel like we have such a binary idea of artists, for, for of artists in our society. Yeah. So on the one, you know, on the one end, you've got the people that are like making money, you know, living, doing it, maybe famous. Right. And everybody loves them right right? on this side and then on the other extreme you've got the starving artists that everyone's telling them don't quit your day job right everyone's telling them um you're you know you're never gonna do it it's too hard um that this that that wasn't meant for you like this idea that you know the small population owns the right to have to be an artist yeah to have this fame and the success and to make money at it yeah and you know don't quit your day job and there's there's these you know there's that podcast yeah yeah, you know don't keep your day job which which you know i think her idea is um it's kathy heller her idea is that you can make a living doing what you love so she's promoting you don't have to keep your day job. You can come and do this and, 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 you know, and make, make money. money doing music. Right. Um, and I think that that's a great concept. It inspires a lot of people. Um, but it doesn't have to be that binary. We don't actually have to quit our day jobs to actually do the thing that we love. We can have our day job and do the thing that we love. Right. right. And I thought about it. I was just like, have you ever felt guilty for liking doing therapy? Right. Because I've sometimes <laughs> felt guilty that I'm like, but I like my day job. Am I being a bad artist? Well, because I, I think like that we don't. Job. You know what's funny is like we don't have day jobs in the same sense. Right, right. Because, it's not like the nine to five. Right. Of, we didn't yeah. take a job just because we needed to pay the bills. Like this is something you went to school for, right. and now you work for yourself and you see clients right. that actually come and that that seek you out that chose you. It's very right? empowering. Right. It's very empowering. So, you know, as as um, practitioners, therapists that are in private practice with our own specialty and our own niche um, the clients that come to work with us do fill us because we're not working for the grind. You right. know, we're not seeing clients right. 
in a ju- the juvenile system, for example, not saying that the juvenile system is necessarily bad, if that's what Yeah, I was going to say that joy. might fill someone, right. someone else up. But a lot of those clients don't want to be in therapy, right? Correct. They're They're doing it because it's court mandated or whatever, versus the clients that come to us in private practice that pay top dollar to see us because of our spe- unique specialty. Like, we feel so great and excited when they walk in the door. Yes. And we're like, we built this practice on our own, and I chose this profession. And you chose me. <laughs> and you chose me, <laughs> and we've chosen each other as as to work together. And I love it. I worked three days a week. I worked Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and that's it, you mm-hmm. know? And so then I have Friday through Monday to do my fun stuff, my creative stuff, my films, exactly. my music, exactly. you know, my writing, whatever it is. And even during Tuesday through Thursday, I'll have breaks and I'll take a writing break or something like yeah, that. Yeah. So. Go and be a person. Yeah. I find that like, even on my breaks with clients, I'm like, Oh, I can answer emails. I'll go run an errand. I'll go like catch up with a friend over coffee. Right. I'll go like, I'll right. go do something else. Right. And then right. Like back. we did the other day. Exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was like, exactly like we did. <laughs> do you feel like the time and effort you put into something defines how important it is to you. Cause I was thinking of other ways of defining value. Mm. So I'm like, cause you had said, you were like, Oh, well when I was doing the film, I couldn't really do music. Right. Well, you know, this is funny because I talk about this with people that are non-monogamous or polyamorous, yeah. right? Like we have the capacity for sure to have multiple partners, mm-hmm. to love multiple people. Um, but do we have the time? It always comes down to time and there are only so many hours in the day. And one thing that I constantly have to remind myself is, um, particularly with the music, that this is a much longer process. Oh, right. And that we're, that, that we, uh, that there is time, you know, that there is, um, it doesn't have to be measured in the, the sort of arbitrary timeline that we have right now, which is like years and months and weeks and days and 24 hours in a day and right all of a sudden you're singing rent (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm a dork (laughs) you're right unfortunately (laughs) why am i like this i don't know i would imagine a lot of people on this interview are going to be musicians but i don't know maybe not (laughs) but i think that musicians as a unique set of artists that absolutely have two jobs almost all the time unless you've been unless you live in LA and you're doing what a lot of musicians here are doing working in the industry the film industry yeah and or the music industry um doing some aspect of music that maybe isn't their own art I feel like uh people sometimes have the misconception of musicians that like musicians only do one thing Mm -hmm. But when you and I were talking over coffee, you were like, oh, I just took this Logic Pro class. Oh, I'm taking this writing class for a different style of writing. Mm-hmm. And I think that you're right that even if someone is, if they say, oh, I'm, I'm just a musician, usually musicians are doing a bunch of different things. Types of music, yeah. 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 I mean, it's true. I was classically trained in piano, and then for years I played a Fender Stratocaster through a Fender amp in a very punk rock style. That's awesome. You know, and then I played in a heavy metal band where I dropped tuned my D. (laughs) (laughs) And I started playing out of a black SG guitar. And only musicians speak, you know, but like completely different. Oh yeah, totally different. different. Yeah. Totally different. And then like my own music is so um, like post-punk era, you know, more synthy, like, you know, more um, guitars that are... 
um, like have a flanger on it or yeah, something. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. So I um, and my writing is totally you know different has been evolving and changing. But yeah, I, um, I also you know love to play stuff on the keyboard mm-hmm. and use a MIDI. And record stuff. Yes. Hence Logic Pro. Yes. Um, and for those of the people that don't know what Logic is, it's a digital audio interface that Apple makes. <laughs> Apple, the <laughs> computer company. <laughs> I'm like, I, on the other hand, use Ableton because mm-hmm. I've noticed something weird, and that is that it seems like there's like two camps. There's like the Ableton camp and the Logic camp, mm-hmm. and it's like, which seems to like speak to you. Yeah. And I find Logic so confusing, whereas I find Ableton it bizarrely, it makes sense to me. And then sure. I've worked with people that work with logic and I'll pull up an Ableton session and they're just like, I don't, this, what, what is this? Yeah. Never actually worked with Ableton. I chose logic because I loved GarageBand so much. Oh, that makes total sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, was started using GarageBand in 07 and like logic just made the most sense. So I actually got logic in like 2013 and wow. haven't really like gone past a certain point. Hence taking the class. I was like, I keep right. like, you're like, I keep hitting that, like that wall. <laughs> yeah. So now I know a lot more stuff and it's fun, but I feel like I still have a long way to go. I would not, I would never call myself a producer by any means. In fact, logic, I use it for writing mm. more than anything at this point, but five years down the road, you never know. Maybe I'll right. be the producer and maybe I'll produce your music, Pam. I was like, yes. <laughs> that was it. what sparked in my brain was how for the longest time, and I don't know if this has to do with identity, and also I probably thought of this because you were talking about shame, despite I had started taking recording classes in high school, mm-hmm. despite that and doing it for years, I didn't think of myself as a producer or engineer. Mm-hmm. I thought of myself as a musician. I thought of myself as a writer. A writer. But it was always like, oh, I should leave this to someone else. And now I'm untangling, was it part of the identity thing? Was it part of the, like, self-limiting belief? Uh-huh. Of, oh, you can't do everything. I can't do everything. Yeah. Uh, because I'd always get to a certain point and think, oh, well, I need help with this. Someone else needs to do this. Yeah. And when I removed that from myself, I've been producing my own songs. I think it was crazy. It was like, I was like, oh, was this in me all along or did I just need to hit the 10K hours and now I'm better at it? The fucking fucking outliers. (laughs) Right? I was like, I need to go all the way out there. Um, The, I think, I love that you bring that up because I did my first, got my first music program in 97. Wow. And it was Cubase. Oh my God, that program's so confusing. <laughs> and um, so, I, and I remember the my my a, a girlfriend of mine and I we were starting this project at the time. It was called Jen's Holding. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> awesome. It's cool. And we um, it was all experimental MIDI stuff, oh. and we were having so much fun. And I moved to LA to work in tech ironically oh 20 years ago wow and worked at a tech music company ironically 20 what? years ago yeah new discoveries <laughs> new discoveries <laughs> yeah I actually worked um, at a company that Bob Ezrin was the CEO of um and Bob Ezrin for those who don't know he produced like the wall Pink Floyd's the wall yeah I was he like produced kiss yeah so I got to work at this great company that turned um terrestrial radio stations into online radio such as knac and groove radio you may know those since you're la girl um and it was really like that's where i really kind of got into the music scene i had moved to la to want to work in music ended up coming to la to work in tech and then i got a job in music and tech and that's always sort of been my thing but that's where i met my bandmate 
And then we started this punk rock band and then I became into the guitar and then I became more of a writer, a songwriter and completely it's been like a 20 year derailment. And now I finally took the logic, <laughs> logic course. <laughs> like, and and I, then we circled. Back. Yeah. And then I texted my friend, you know, my friend would always hear my music, the girl from Jen's holding yeah. and she would always just be like, what are you? This is like not the Mo I know. We were making electronic music back in 97 and now you're in this like, you know, punk rock band. Right. She's like, what, what, what happened? What here? happened? <laughs> you know? And then I went to a heavy metal band, That's you know, amazing. like a super hard rock band. Yeah. It's like, I kind of just like did this huge circle because back to what you're saying, not believing that I could. Right. Right. That I believing that there's only one path and that path was banned. You had to be in a band. Yeah. You have to or... be in a band. There has to be a dude at a desk that's recording you. <laughs> Like, <laughs> right, you have to be playing shows. Yes, you, you have, have to, to gig be, all the time. You have to you have gig, to... you have to record, you have to build your fan base that way. Yeah. I my That band was actually during MySpace years. Oh my god. You know, so it wasn't even a social media time. We literally made flyers for our shows at Kinko's. Yes, <laughs> I remember like doing that exactly once and then was like, hmm, this seemed boring. I don't think I'll do yeah. this again. And like, back then, this is like the early 2000s, that's what we did. Yeah. So... But it's been a long sort of journey to recognize, like, we don't have to do bands anymore. Right. We don't have to make flyers anymore if we don't nope. fucking want to. <laughs> <laughs> like, thank God. I hated, like, I literally, I remember that experience because I was at Kinko's with a giant, like, cutty thing. And I was like, I don't think I want to be here. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, yes. Yeah. And you can outsource to make cool flyers. Right. Like, you know, the Detroit Cobras, I love. I don't know if you're familiar with Mm-mm. them, but they just have the best flyers. You go on their website and they play, they gig a lot. They're a Detroit yeah. band and they gig a lot but, and they are a rock band and they just have really great flyers. I love but... when bands have like cool art that you can buy like a poster of yes. or something like that. Yeah. You're like, yeah. It's yeah. a thing. Like yeah. it's like merch. Yeah. yeah. Then it becomes like something that is tangible yeah. that you have. Yeah. I'm like, how the heck did sex therapy end up in this? I was like, where'd, where's the inroad? I, I know. Like, how did I get there? It's funny. That's a good question. Yeah. How did that I, How did up? I become a sex therapist? Well, I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area, and I've always been part of the LGBTQ community, basically. And, you know, growing up non-white in Northern California, very white town, mm. where I finally met, like the kids that were into new wave and goth and all of those things in the eighties. Um, and a lot of them were gay or lesbian or bi. It wasn't, we weren't calling, they were, we kind of were using the word queer back then. That's kind of become bigger more recently, but queer was definitely a word that was used to identify gay people. And, um, that I felt like these are my people. And so I got really steeped into them. I dated women. I, you know, identified as bi, came out as bisexual in high school, you know, 1988. And, um, and then, you know, just sort of like always was like, you know, felt really connected to that community. And it felt like that's where I like had my coming of age. Right. You know? Right. And so, um, went to San Francisco state for my undergrad. Oh. And gotcha. they, they make you do a cluster for your upper division when you're like your second, third year. 
third year of undergrad, they make you do this cluster. And the biggest uh, class on campus was this human sexuality class. And it was variations in human sexuality. So you're like, hey, sign me up. Yeah, I took (laughs) it. And it, it, like, changed my life. Like, they talked about everything from, everything besides heterosexuality. Right. And they normalized all of it. And it was just like, this is really cool. And I, you know, a lot of girl, there's, in San Francisco, there was the Lusty Lady, which I don't know if you're familiar with. but tell me. uh, The Lusty Lady is um, basically like a peep show, you know, strip club, basically. Um, And it was women-owned. So, you know, a lot of girls that were going to school in San Francisco would work there and have a good experience. They weren't dealing with men. They were behind a ball. They were, you know, behind a door. I was going to say, and so they probably felt way more safe. Way safer. And so San Francisco had a reputation of having women owned, you know, places like that. Um, And, you know, obviously San Francisco was, this is the 90s, was well known for being very kink and queer friendly. Lots of, you know, gay clubs, you know, lots of kink friendly the parade and... the parade i went to my first gay parade in 91 and it was the best thing ever Aww. you know and i just like i really had my early coming of age in, in in the gay community and so when the time came and i had this stupid 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 idea that by the time i'm 30 if i'm not making money making music i'm gonna oh. go back to graduate school right I had the same idea. Okay. I was just like 26. Okay. Because I'm an overachiever and neurotic. (laughs) (laughs) I hope you don't have to edit out that laugh because I went, ah, ah, ah. (laughs) That's what limiters are for. (laughs) Right. Oh, yeah. I just learned about those. (laughs) Boy, am I going to use this on my cackle laugh. Right. (laughs) So, yeah. So, I had told myself, I graduated at 22, 23. I took a year longer than most. And I said, I'm going to focus on music now. Mm-hmm. I did. Moved to L.A., started working in music. music started tech. Play, yeah, music tech, started playing in the band. At 30, that band was just getting started. We were doing good. We were gigging around. We were doing really good. Oh, yeah, because I think that one thing that listeners may not know if they're not musicians is that bands, like when you see a band that looks like they're like a new breaking band, it's because they've been around for like... 10 years. <laughs> yeah, there's no such thing as overnight success. Yeah, you've <laughs> yeah. actually, they've actually been doing it for like forever. Yes. By the time they're finally successful, they're like, yeah, okay, fine, you finally noticed me. Right, right. <laughs> but even though the band was doing well, that story creeped up. I got laid oh. off from the music tech job and I was like, I need to do something. And I went back to grad school and I got my master's in psychology at that point to become a therapist. And be, it was all because of that story. And I was wow. already playing music and I was doing much better than I had been five years ago, but that wasn't enough progress for my 30 year, my 30 year old for the brain. narrative. To, yeah. For the narrative. Yeah. yeah at I that gotcha. Time. I gotcha. That's so interesting. Yeah. I was in a very similar position where I was, I was tutoring, which I still do and I enjoy, but I would take on occasionally like other day jobs just to like kind of supplement my income. And I realized I was just like, do I want to be in my 30s and still be taking on random jobs? My job at that time was working for a company to help them think of things on the internet that didn't exist yet. Oh. Their main their main thing was MySpace layouts. <laughs> so I was like naming MySpace layouts that people submitted. And I think I had a similar narrative in my mind of like, this isn't where I want to be. Mm-hmm. And so how do I get to the next step? And I was like, well... People come to my shows and people listen to my music, but it's not necessarily making me money. Yeah. And it seemed like money was, like, the next step. And I was like, well, what do I like to do? And I was like, well, I really like helping people. Yeah. 
there's two aspects to this around the shame. Yeah. You know, that we believed the story, right. which is believing the shame story, right? Yes. But now we're shaming ourselves for believing the story. Right. <laughs> because that, that has actually been a blessing for us, at least for me. I love my job, yes. you know, my quote unquote day job, even though it's only, it's not a day job. It's a three day job. <laughs> I feel similarly. I'm yeah. like, I love my two day job. Yeah. Like my two day job is rad. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, so it was a choice that we made. So we should stop shaming ourselves for making that choice. Cause I think we made it based on money. Right. The need to survive. Right. You know, the need to survive and not do something that we hate, like my space layouts. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So, you know, so changing, I, I feel like I'm constantly trying to change the narrative, um, to better suit what works for me. So that I don't feel like so bad right. about what I do and the journey that I've taken and the steps that I don't want to regret the journey that I've taken. Um, I want to love it. You I know? was going to say like, what would you recommend to other people who might be struggling with that shame right now? You mean the shame of having two careers? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, you know, like I don't think that you, sh- if you love what you do and, and, and my partner's in a very similar position, Jared, he works um, as a, he works at a company that he loves, um, you know, doing like management and, um, this is kind of a first time he's had a job that pays him well and appreciates him and right, acknowledges him, but he's right. a musician, you know, he's a producer, he's a drummer, he's a bass player, he's a guitar player. He's played in bands. He's produced two of our EPs. That's amazing. Yeah. He, and like, I just, and I think that there's this idea that he wants to quit that so that he could do music full time, but he actually likes that job. Right. Yeah. You know, so I am constantly like, if you like what your day job is, you don't necessarily have to quit it. Right. To do the other thing that you love. You can love two or more things at once. And it sounds like also, I know at least for me, and I don't know if this is true for you, but I sometimes then feel even more at ease to make music and more free to create different things, which ultimately has actually led to more opportunities. Yeah. But I feel more comfortable doing it because I'm like, oh, the other part's taken care of. I got this. Yeah. And so I'm not putting all this pressure on myself to be like, you have to be full-time musician, only 24-7 musician. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it's pressure. And when yeah. we feel pressure as artists, we're not going to create our best. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So my advice is to um, take a real um, like uh, assessment of what you're doing and don't let what other people are saying define for you what your reality is. If you want to do music full-time and you hate your day job, go for it. Right. I say quit that motherfucking day job right now (laughs) if you hate it. Um, You know, and if music is what you want to do and you're okay with your other job, like, you can do both. And if you really, really want to quit your day job, you can still do that. There's room for that. Like, you need to believe that, too. So I don't want to um, discourage people from pursuing their dreams. Pursue your dreams. But also, like, for people like us who have actively pursued one career and another career, like, there is... There, you can do that too. If you right. have two passions, you can do that too. Like, what's his face from Queen? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. You're like, so long story short, <laughs> the guitar player from Queen is also an astrophysicist. But in the movie, in Bohemian Rhapsody, they do this in Hollywood too. They shamed him. Oh. They said if it wasn't for if it wasn't for Freddie Mercury, that he would be writing an astrophysicist book that no one would read. That was the quote that the producer used in the movie. 
And I'm like, oh no, what a tragedy, you're an astrophysicist. Yeah, what a tragedy, (laughs) you're an astrophysicist, and you're going to write a book that no one reads. Like, shaming people for choosing, having another profession that isn't rock stardom. You know, so whereas I'm like, oh my god, an astrophysicist! Like, I'm like how cool! Dang, yeah, I think awesome. his name is Brian. I think his name is Brian Mays. Anyway, I consistently, yeah. I'm really good with faces and names. Yeah. People that come up to me and say my name and I don't know their name, I'm like, oh, we're having another one of those times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So I guess the last question, it kind of just piggybacks on that. Yeah. Like, what advice might you have given your younger self? It sounds like you might have been like more compassionate to your younger self. Yeah, I, my younger self um, played all kinds. I played my first band was a reggae band. We played all. We played all Bob Marley covers. Awesome. We were called Jaw Rebel. I love that. Like every time you're like, and I also was in this other music project. I'm like, what? so i played in a reggae band then it was like girl punk band then oh forgot i forgot about the electronica project i started in between so reggae band electronica project girl punk project sort of hard rock heavy metal project and then my own project which i've been in for the last you know whatever yeah but i've also written music for tv and i've done um like sign back up on like people's yeah yeah, and stuff like that so but i don't consider myself a singer I've only recently become a better singer. You know, it's interesting you say that. Like, singing is the one thing that I wasn't trained in, and Mm -hmm. I started taking lessons, Mm. uh, like, in the last few years, honestly, because I have bad allergies. Mm. And so sometimes I'd be like, okay, how do I literally sing around my sinuses? Oh, smart. Um, But I had not considered myself a singer, despite people saying they liked my voice. I'd always downplay it and be like, oh, that was just, like, a happy accident. I'm actually a pianist. Ah, I used to do that too. Yeah, and I I'm do like, that. Yeah, what? Why? Yeah, why would I do that I'm not to a myself? Singer. Yeah, I'm not. I and I do still do that about. Oh, I'm not a really a guitar player, even though I got my first guitar 28 years ago. I think you're a guitar player. I've been playing for 28 <laughs> years. Played on stage. Played on albums. Like, I think yeah. we can verify. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, what, what was the question? Did I answer it? <laughs> I guess like advice to your younger self or to oh, another person that is on this multiple multiple yeah, thing journey. You know what? Just do what's in do what feels good. Yeah. You know? Um, but do listen to that voice inside of you because I didn't listen to the music voice like early, early on mm. until I didn't play in my first band until I was like twenty four. Gotcha. And like in hindsight I'm like that wasn't that late mo that was pretty early but (laughs) (laughs) but um I um it took me a while to be like oh yeah I can do this I can get out there and do this and um and I you know I've experienced a lot of shame but I kept I kept through it so keep at it is another thing like keep at doing what you love and if you decide you want to do another thing um and we didn't talk about this because there were t- moments in my life where I was like, oh, I'm not going to do music anymore because I'm doing this other thing. Yeah, you said that about the film. Yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, like, don't ever say that because you just never know. All of a sudden, in 2012, I locked myself in my office and I wrote, like, ten songs. And since then, they've just been flooding out of me. Wow. So I don't didn't even know prior to 2012 that I was going to write so many songs. And they just, you know, they've just been coming. So, and I had quit being a musician right, <laughs> like three times right. prior to that <laughs> so it sounds almost like instead of being like 
this is done, it's over, be like, okay, maybe this isn't the time for this passion. Right. Maybe I'm just taking a break. Let's just take a break and see what happens. Go with the flow. Yeah. And be like open to knowing that like things can come back. Because on like a final note, it's so cool talking to you about this because I feel like, like you said that you're like, oh, 24. Yeah, that was so young. I feel like we put so much pressure on ourselves, or at least I do, to be like, I must finish everything by this arbitrary age. (laughs) I must be, yes. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, maybe I don't. (laughs) Yeah. And where do we get these age limits? Those have been fed to us by society, capitalistic society. Yes. But also, you know, like you have to have a baby by this certain age. You have to be married by this certain age. You know, all this stuff, the pressure that's been put on us from day one. Yeah. And, you know, we haven't, we don't follow all of them. So why do we listen to that when it comes to this particular thing? Exactly. It's like at this point, we're pretty close to the technology where we can be brains in robot bodies. So I think we're good. (laughs) (laughs) And we're not robots. We're not robots yet. So it's like, no, I I think we're, I think we're cool. I think we have an expanded time frame that we might not have had at any other like human point in history. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you again. Thank you. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, this was fun. Thank you so much for tuning in to Why Not Both. If you would like to learn more about Mo Gosh, please head over to my website, which is wnbpodcast.com. There, I've linked to Mo's work as a sex therapist, a documentary filmmaker, and a musician. Please make sure to like and subscribe on your preferred podcast platform so that you can get Why Not Both right as it comes out every Wednesday. Thank you again, and I look forward to talking to you next week. Oh, 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 oh,